All right, welcome on into Totem Talks, episode four. Woo! A new hope. Yeah, whoever <laughs> would have thought we got this far. So, if you've been listening, uh, one, thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. Two, uh, you're welcome. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, thank you so much. If you haven't listened before, I strongly recommend going back and starting from episode one. It kind of, like, you'll get the vibe of where we're coming from. Absolutely. Um, basically, we are a local Bucks County cover band uh, called Low Totem. Uh, and Tyler is and also Tyler. here. <laughs> and uh, we've taken it upon ourselves to rank musicians and musical acts, uh, talking about them, their best stuff, their worst stuff, their highs and lows. Uh, we rank them, we give them a score, and then we're building a list. Yes. And eventually you'll be able to read that list. Indeed. Uh, so I'll start off with the introductions. I am Pat, and in Low Totem, I'm the lead singer. Yes, I am Nick, and in Low Totem, I... Sometimes I'm also the lead singer, but mostly the guitarist and the keyboardist. And I am Tyler. I am in charge of catering for Low Totem. I'm the reason why they eat so good. Yeah. And if you've seen us, you know. <laughs> uh, Tyler is the one right. walking around with our trays of lobster in between songs. Well. For you. And, and, uh, yeah. and veggie lobster yeah, for Nick. Go. Thank well, you. We, we Sorry him... to lose all of our fans by telling you Nick's a vegetarian. We, uh, I am. We call but him... he's left-handed, so That's it evens true. out. It does. We call him crayfish, where I come from, but you like to call him lobster because they look like a lobster. Yeah, it makes me feel better when they're... It's, oh, you found tiny yes. lobster. Well, anyway, we're going to be talking about three <laughs> more artists today. Yeah, today we're talking about three Yeah, more. it should be a very interesting and uh, bizarre episode in some ways. We're going to be talking about Todd Rundgren. We're going to be talking about... Uh, the cranberries, and then we're gonna finish things up with Maroon Five. So, um, without much further ado, Pat, did you want to uh, give us a little intro to Todd Rundgren before we start talking uh, about? Yeah, his no, I, I guess I can do that. I have mixed feelings on Todd Rundgren, uh, but I'll give you my factoid blurb. Good. Todd Rundgren is an American multi instrumentalist. Uh, mm. He's based out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which. Is right next to Bucks yeah, County. I mean, he's practically our neighbor. Uh, so we're practically the same. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh, we're both multi-platinum recording artists. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's currently 71. He's still active. He, uh, he's been active since 1966. And uh, yeah, we've gone over three of his albums as per usual. That is our, our standard mm-hmm. fare. Uh, so the three albums we listen to... Uh, out of his 21 studio albums. Yeah, so there just were remember a few. that number. That is quite a big a number. And I would like to say before we that his probably most famous song ever was not on one of the albums. Bang on the Drum All Day. We did not do that one. We did not do that album. But we right. know it exists. But we know it exists. So don't worry. Uh, so the three albums we did were his first album, Runt, which was released in 1970. Uh, after that, we did Something Anything, which is his. According to sales thresholds, his best-selling yeah, album. his only gold. His only, his gold only album. album that went yeah. gold, yes. And then we wrapped up our Todd Rundgren, unfortunately, with Whew. White Knight. From 2017. Which was released in 2017. Yeah. Oh, God. And We'll get there. We'll yeah, get there. we have things <laughs> to say. Uh, so sure. let's start. Uh, my first notes on Todd Rundgren were Philly Boy and meh vocals. Yeah. Uh, just Man. overall, that's that, that's my theme for basically all of Todd Rundgren. Meh, vocals. True, true. But I think 
albums, like we'll talk about Runt first. I think it's a very balanced album. I think he can rock your socks off or he can sit there and play a piano ballad. His most famous, one of his most famous songs is on his first album, We Gotta Get You a Woman, yeah. which is definitely more of a piano ballad song. Great song. I really enjoy that one. Yeah. Um, there I are had some vibing for that song. Yeah. We had some interesting stuff on there. Like some of it was just kind of okay and forgettable. I really liked the last song, like a nine minute epic called Birthday Carol, which I thought was really good. It had some really beautiful strings. Yeah. I think he had a nice use of strings on this first album to go with his yeah. guitar and piano. Um, and to be clear, uh, this is Runt, the album Runt, which was technically released by the band Runt, which was just mm. his alternate name. Right. Not the 1971 album Runt, the Ballad of Todd Rundgren. Solid. Uh, Two different albums. Yes. I get For the sure. confusion. I almost was confused before I like did a little digging. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think there are a lot of, I mean, it's not the greatest album I've ever heard, but I enjoyed it straight through. And then there were a couple of highlights for me, basically, for Run. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, I had a few different notes on some songs. Uh, Broke Down and Busted was a good song. Yes, definitely. Uh, Believe in Me was like, I liked it and then it was over. It was so mm. short. I mean, that yeah. song is two minutes. That's it. Was it was a change of pace from that first one. Yeah. And I liked uh, that a lot. And But it was it was short. Um, I would agree that the best song on the album is We Gotta Get You a Woman. For sure. Uh, really strong song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, I just, I don't love his vocals. His style yeah. of music is weird to me because it's like adjacent to styles I really like. Yeah. But I yeah. don't love it. It's weird. Interesting. Okay. Tyler, do you have any additional thoughts on Runt? Uh, so I don't know if you'd, you'd necessarily like call it like a history that I have with his music mm. but um one of the um things that my dad used to do when he was younger one of his hobbies uh was he used to do um slideshows for schools that he worked at and also like he would help out people who want to do slideshows okay. and that was back before like you know slideshows were done on computer like it, literally it was pictures that were developed in you know and they put in that like gigantic projector thing and the wheel spun around okay my dad would like sync music together to to coincide with what was going on in the pictures and you know as the carousel moved to each mm -hmm. thing um one of the songs that he used to use all the time they would get like a big response from the audience with they'd always like compliment him that it wouldn't go really well was um was uh bang on the drum all day okay um and so I already like had an idea of who he was before. Mm -hmm. You know, people who've been listening to the show consistently usually know that. Like, to be fair, that is more than I did. I knew Bang on the Drum all day, but I had no idea that he's who did it. Oh, which wow. is rare. Okay. It's the first time yeah. we've had it on the podcast where I had no clue. Oh, interesting. Who the know, guy was? I didn't realize. You well, didn't know. well, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I was going to say. Anybody who's been listening to these episodes know that we usually go around the horn, and you and Nick talk about how much you love these artists and how you know everything that they've done in every inch of their life. And then, you know, Tyler, do you have anything to say? And I'm like, I had no idea that they sang songs. <laughs> Very true. Um, so I actually, I knew who he was. I didn't, I wasn't overly familiar with like his breadth of work Yeah. over, over the days that I've definitely like heard this name before. Um, I, I really enjoyed his, his first album all the way, yeah. all the way through. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I would agree. I mean, listen, it's it's super cliche to bring up. I mean, I'm not to not to insult you guys or anything, but you know, it's it's kind of cliche to bring up. We gotta get you a woman because like that's the track from the album that literally has a star next to it 
because that's yeah. the one uh, yeah, that people listen to right. the most. If um, anyone knows who this guy is, that's yeah. one of the few songs that they've heard. That one Correct. is that one's definitely going to jump out at you. But uh, everything like this is a, this is an album that I really enjoyed like all the way through because you know kind of like the point that 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 was brought up before. He he hits you with a number of styles. You yes. you can rock out and you can also sit back and relax. Yeah, very eclectic. Mm-hmm. This is this is like in my opinion, like just like the perfect road trip album. Mm. Like if if you're going for a long car drive, this is this is just a great album to put on during the drive. Right. Okay. I, I, I mean, nothing on here was like, oh, uh, just skip that. Yeah. It was it was, you know, uh, that that's always going to be a note that I'm going to give as we go through right. albums mm. is, you know, is, is it an album you can sit all the way through? Yeah. Or is it an album where four or five songs are great and the rest, you know, just yeah, and I build a playlist out of the good ones. I agree know, with I like you personally. This is the only one that we listen to that I could listen all the way through. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, let's let's use that segue into his most his best selling album, something, anything. Yes. Uh, it's a double album, so it's a really long album. There are a yes. lot of tracks on it, uh, and I do agree. There's definitely more misses on here than there were on Runt, yeah. but there are good songs, too. I mean, his probably his most famous other song, besides from the ones that we've mentioned, Hello, It's Me, is on this album, right. uh, which is a very good song. Uh, I liked I Saw the Light, which was the opening track. Uh, that was yeah. really cool. And uh, I Cold will say a lot light. of this stuff, so I... I'm trying not to judge too harshly for my personal taste. Mm-hmm. A lot of these I went, okay, not my personal style. Gotcha. Just a lot of these felt like a little too like slow paced, a little boring to me personally. Mm. But I did recognize like the instrumental, like musical quality of it. it sure. Most of it was strong. Yeah. Just not something I enjoyed. Fair enough. And now I would say maybe one that you might have liked. I'm gonna just take a get shot in the dark. Little red lights at the end of side yeah. three was. Co- it almost sounded like a cream guitar sound. I ha- and like, I actually had that one as my highlight of the album. Yeah. Okay. I'm not surprised. Um, um, that's a very good. One. I also really liked un- the most unfortunately named song, "Dust in the Wind," because it was so. Yeah. It's like everyone knows it's such a huge Kansas song. Yeah. But I thought that was a really great song as well. I would agree. Um, I really liked his. his um, I mean, for most of my stuff, for something, anything, I had. I saw the light. Uh, better vocals than the first album. Yeah. Uh, okay, song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't have. Uh, it wouldn't have made any difference. Is that's my shorthand for that. Mm-hmm. I had like not my style, but okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the only song that I thought was like a total miss for me personally was "Song of the Viking." Yeah, that was bizarre. I was. I literally had WTF next to it. Yeah, like, what just happened? Uh, which for me, really foreshadowed later. I was like, oh, he's already starting here. And then I listened to the next album. But let's finish this album. Sure, yeah. yeah. I, um, this this might be kind of like a, a weird thing to say, but I, I enjoyed his Overture track. Yes. Not, not so much in, in, in the track it, itself, mm-hmm. but listening to the album as a whole and coming to that overture track i mean i i wish we could do some of these older artists a little bit i don't know how to really articulate this i i wish that we could somehow be able to listen to these older artists on the original platforms Mm. in which they came out i you know i'm not a big um sound 
guy. I, I, you know, I, I like digital, and I also like Said analog. the guy who provided the mixer for the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> you could you, you pick up a mixer and not know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, you know, I, I personally, I, I have no real preference towards um, records versus digital, like analog versus digital. Like I, I sit right in the middle with that argument. Um, but I do think that there is something to be said about listening to an album in the way that it was first brought out. I was able to, you know, put this album on and it pretty much runs for about an hour and a half. Yeah. And I was able to listen to that straight through. I and really I wonder. agree, which is why Low Totem is releasing our debut album on wax cylinder only. Yeah, that's a good To be point. played through Vitrola. That's but right. Like, I, I really Vitrola wish. Vitrola not provided. I really wish there was a way that I, I could have listened to this on a record and have that feel of like getting. No, I up, totally get where you're coming down. from. I got and, that vibe as well, and and getting mm. that sound from it, you know, and that's what like like the the overture track like really stuck out to me. Like, how would that feel? Like, yeah, you know, being just hanging out with a group of friends. You know, you're just trying to listen to an album straight through. You coming on and like that comes on. Like, it really made this album feel like an event almost mm-hmm. feel like you were you sure know, yeah you weren't just listening to music you were almost like experiencing a show yeah, yeah and totally. yeah. it was such a cool kind of immersive mm-hmm. way like the album in general was like right. really really an immersive album yeah so, intro uh, the intro to side two where he kind of explains like here are all the different weird sounds that yeah you might hear. that was kind of yeah, cool yeah, to listen that, to that, as that, well that, right I like i actually I enjoyed that yeah, like, I didn't I even mean, count that as my like overall arcing. Yeah, the, right. the only the only reason why I, I I'd say like I didn't put intro in as like mm-hmm. one of my favorites because obviously it wasn't a track. It was right, an exactly. It was right, whereas exactly. overture kind of encapsulates how he was. But doing sometimes it. Right. that makes something. But like, uh, for instance, it reminded me of uh, "Running Down a Dream" by Tom Petty and how at the end he's like, "Now uh, for everybody listening on CD, now hold on because it's going to be time I, for people on the tape to take the tape out and to flip the tape over mm-hmm. onto the B side of the I tape. will say uh, right. one thing I did enjoy for Todd Rundgren in a similar vein is you could really tell that a lot of these tracks were just like once through recordings. Mm. You could almost, you could hear on a few of them if you listened, like the very beginning he's like, he, he would play a note and he's like, Oh, take two, like one, two, yeah, right, three. right, right. Like you could hear stuff like that. It was definitely Lots of like false starts. a lot of false starts, a lot of stuff. You could, it, it almost felt like, like Tyler was saying, is we were sitting in the studio and watching him make play through the album, play yeah. through an album, right. like, and that's what it felt and, like. And like, and like a compliment I have to give him as an artist because of that is so many, so many musicians and artists out there, whether they mean to or not, project this kind of perfect perfection, performer. yeah. Mm. Where, you know, you listen to an album and it's exactly what it was supposed to sound like all the way through. But there is something to be said for imperfections and mistakes, which add personality and character to yeah. your music. You know, that's why I've, I've said in episodes before, when you have a, a lead singer of a band who might not be the best vocalist in the world, that lends something to to the songs that you wouldn't get if yeah. you got a mm-hmm. trained singer to go in and do it it wouldn't have the same personality well, listen, yeah. i completely agree with you that's the whole yeah. reason nick's in the band because yeah. he is a mistake <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow that's uh, calling me a mistake coming from you exactly yeah okay uh anyway <laughs> so uh anyway the third album White oh, Knight. I wanted to avoid talking about I it. I know we wanted to try to just pretend it didn't exist. This was possibly the worst album we've heard on the show this so far. This is absolutely the worst album we've heard. It was, it was bizarre. It, it was terrible. And I'll tell you what. Not even close. I was so looking forward to this album because I enjoyed the first two. And I looked and I said, wow, 
look at all these featured artists. He's got Daryl Hall. He's got Donald Fagan yep. from Steely Dan. He's got Joe Walsh from the Eagles. He's got Joe Satriani, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. All these interesting artists that I like. And then, my God, he just... I can't believe that these artists would be willing to sign on for these songs because they every one of them was so bad. I will say, Terrible. like personally, like if you've been listening to our previous episodes... We've gone through uh, like the Jackson Five, In Sync, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I would rather listen to Victory and Celebrity on repeat for like twenty four straight hours. Yeah, this than was listen to this album again. Awful. This album had one highlight for me. Uh, I'm gonna read some stuff. Uh, some of my notes. All of it is weird. Weird AF. Mm-hmm. Uh, beginning of the end, I said weirdly erotic. Like he was trying to have like a Marvin Gaye undertone. Mm. And then whatever the heck happened <laughs> lyrically, yeah. and I was like, oh, so you went for, like, let's get it on, but sang, like, weird whiny stuff on top of it? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, tinfoil Hat, I, I, my only comment was, what is this album? Yeah, that well, the tinfoil hat was uh, clearly an attack on Trump. Yes. It was clearly an attack on Donald Trump with Donald Fagan from Steely Dan. And yes. Like, I just, but, like, like it was whole terribly was done, so though. Weird. It was terribly done. Like, I love a good political song, but that one was, just, was so just so badly weird. done. Um, and then I had uh, that could have been me mm. as like the only track on the album that had like good vocals. Right, they weren't great; they were good. Yeah. The and guitar then the on only... uh, "Sleep" was nice. Yes, the only positive note for me, the only thing that made this album worth listening to is "Wouldn't You Like to Know?" Because I got to find out that Todd Rundgren named his son Rebop. Yeah, because it was bizarre. featuring his son Rebop, Rebop. Rundgren. <laughs> And that's yeah. the only positive of the album. Yeah, look, and say, if that's the only positive that tells you the, about yeah. the album. So I, I I, will say this. It was definitely weird going from two albums that were quite distinctly 70s rock era music yeah. and then hitting this. If I went in blind and you didn't tell me who the artists were, I don't even think I would necessarily be able to tell you that this right. was it's by him. It's just so right. weird. I thought, <laughs> but, my number one note is, is this Todd Rundgren or is it The Weeknd? Yeah. But, I, you know... Something has to be said for experimentation. I mean, w- however you're using the definition of experiment doesn't necessarily mean doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to get a positive result. And I understand that, sure. but I mean, in terms of grading this yeah. album compared to his other albums, I, by far the worst. It's impossible. Like, it's, it's impossible to to really because it's it's not the same. No. You know, it it would be like it it would be like taken an album by the Beatles. It would be like taking Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Bland and and then saying, all right, compare it to, to this most recent Kanye West album. No, it's like, like this is not even. It's like if the, the Beatles same... came out with an entire album consisting of Revolution 9 and Honey Pie. Yeah. Wild Honey Pie. Right. Not not the good honey pie. Like that's what this felt like. It just felt like just the random ramblings. Like, this is the only album we've listened to on the podcast where I wanted to send, like, a, a health check. <laughs> like, can somebody go check on Todd Rundgren? Make sure yeah, that he's okay. And look, I don't want to assume, like, he may actually enjoy this type of music, and he, like, liked where modern music was going, and he tried his hand at what he thought modern pop was, or he may have, have been pandering to an Todd audience. I Todd Rundgren as a person. I don't, I don't know which one or terms care of which quality, one, but it was just, yeah, it was bad. So bad. Well, yeah, because I mean, that, that's the thing. It's it's one thing to be popular and known for a certain style of music and then yeah. try your hand at another style. Right. It's it's another thing like with this, because this this didn't even feel like 
if you're a fan of modern music, you'd like this. Yeah, here's yeah. what I'll this say. This doesn't even come off that way. Uh, yeah, what I, I would compare Todd Rundgren to, um, of artists that we've done so far, mm-hmm. Van Morrison. Really famous mm-hmm. early on, released some good albums, and then released still stuff in the late 20-teens. I mean, yeah. we talked about yeah, but I just, 2018, 2019? For, for Van Morrison? Was Van Morrison's, yeah, 2017 for this one. So just the dichotomy between... The consistency of Van Morrison's yeah, releases, and then what Todd Rundgren put out in 2017. You know, but at the same time, and I don't mean, and I don't mean to insult Van Morrison in any way. I don't think Van Morrison. Think back, you did praise him in the podcast. Yeah. Well, I don't think Van Morrison ever tried to really be trendy or hop on a bandwagon. I think if no, he true. if he dabbled in modern music, it was because he kind of happened on it accidentally. Listening to yeah, Van Morrison's recent stuff and his old stuff, I still could tell you, oh, this is Van Morrison doing these right. albums. Yeah, there's this something was, to be said for being honest yeah. to yourself. Yeah. All the time, this no matter was, what. This was such like a shark jump. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't, I, I mean. To put it lightly, shark jump, yeah. I mean, if the, the CIA is way, listening, this would be something that you could use the like, only, to, to torture people. <laughs> <laughs> Like on the one hand, I don't. I don't endorse. I don't think. I don't think he should have released this album under his name because it's so different than what he's released Mm. before. But I also. I don't think this would sell a single copy if it didn't have his name attached to it. I would agree. I think the Uh, only thing that the only thing that let's move into scores. I think we've. I think we've. We've uh, talked at this album. Lamb based to this album enough. Cultural impact. He's going to be lower than than him because you guys didn't know who he was. Well, Tyler, you knew who he was. He's got to be low. You didn't know who right. Uh, he has a song, Bang on the Drum All Day, that most people have probably heard at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, most, A lot of people would have heard Hello, It's Me, or We Gotta Get You a Woman. But other than those... I mean, I'm thinking he's... the name that's he's, associated. I mean, he's low. I think he's higher, potentially, than than like a three. Maybe a three. I, I think a three He's below fine. average. People yeah. aren't going to know the name Todd Rundgren. But it's not like... But people would if you put Bang on Now, I am going to argue like, about you know. an X-Factor point for him because I got something to bring up. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Breath of Work. Look, he released 21 albums. 21 albums. I, we thought that the first two were good. I'm sure that some of I his did, other work throughout the 70s the, was also good. After the White Knight debacle, I did actually just on my own listen to selections from other albums. Okay. Yeah, I did that too because I wanted to see exactly when it was that all what of a sudden when, when, the, <laughs> yeah, when did we suddenly get to that? Yeah. Might have been when he named his son Rebop. Could have been. Rebop. Can't even believe yeah. it. Um <laughs> so my personally my personal opinion for Breath of Work is he's above average in sheer volume. For sure. But not quality. Not so therefore quality. I'm thinking like a five three. Yeah. That- I think that makes total sense. Again, we we like. I think we all made it clear that we thought that the first two albums were good, even if they weren't for us. Yes. Um, now this one is interesting to me. They were for me. I just yeah, they were for me too. I like them. Instrumental talent. Uh, he is a multi instrumentalist. He's a guitarist, mm-hmm. vocalist, piano player. He plays a bunch of different instruments. He yeah. does them I would well. Definitely put him yeah. above average. For I agree. Yeah, I'd be, this is probably for me his highest category. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even, and I by highest I mean like a six point one. Even the, uh, even the weird right stuff, on, even the weird stuff I was hearing in in White Knight was it at right. least objectively being played well. Agreed. Yeah. I would yeah. agree with that. He is objectively a good instrumentalist. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, the voices, song maybe, it hurts writing, a bit, talent. But 6-1 is good. This Here's one's what tough I like. for me. 
I, I think we made it clear on the first two albums how much we enjoyed. You never knew if you were going to have your socks rocked off or if he was going to play you a piano ballad or if he was going to throw like a nine minute epic song at you with a string set. Like, I do think Agreed. he did a lot of different things and he did different things well. Yeah. And all songs are by him. Yeah. And he's writing everything. He is writing yes. everything. Uh, I think enough of them are above average that he should be above average. I totally agree. But I, not much. Again, I'm Fair. under a 5.5. Five. Um, yeah, I'm, I think a 5.5 five right around there is good for me. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably, I would just go 5.6, just so it didn't sound like I was following. Fair enough. Uh, poetic talent. Meh. Meh. Yeah, he's very meh for you. Yeah, I... Yeah. Nothing. He he didn't really reinvent the wheel or make me right. think anything that nobody else had maybe yeah. thought before. Right, he didn't write but bad lyrics. Yeah, to be he, fair, he here's mine. He, he he wasn't generic. In yeah, his I would writing. agree that he's not super generic, but nothing was outstanding. Right. I White would put Knight him at average lyrics, until White Knight, and I think yeah. White Knight puts him under a five. Yeah, White Knight was pretty bad. I think yeah. I would have had him write at a five if I never heard White Knight. Yeah, but I'm putting him in the fours because of it. Not too much because I mean, yeah, I never felt like, like he was derivative of, of other artists. Though. I agree. I never I agree. felt no, like but listening to one of his songs never felt good. like I was listening yes, to Yes, I agree. Just because he isn't derivative so what doesn't if we mean knocked him to a four eight because of White Knight. Yeah, four eight four seven. Because I still want to give him the respect of those first albums from the seventies. You know, I really hope this man is okay. Because the yeah. way the way that Pat is coming at the jugular, dude, I can't. Yeah. Listen, I refuse to just kowtow. If I yeah. really, this should prove that previously I haven't had this strong of an opinion. Fair enough. My uh, grades, X factor. My my grades on him are purely based on the two albums that I heard, not his most recent. One. Yeah, fair Wait, enough. Which is why they're higher. I'm, yes. I have to take the whole <laughs> yeah. breath of work into consideration. Right. Okay, give me give me your argument for the X factor. My argument for X factor stems on one thing and. It is something that I know you didn't know about, Nick, but this was yeah. big tabloid news when it happened, and that is Liv Tyler. Right. When Liv, so for those of you who affair. are, who, yeah, for those of you who are, uh, you know, around our age group and maybe didn't experience this live, the maybe. reason anybody really knew Todd Rundgren, I mean, seriously, it's, this is a big thing. I was, I did a lot of research on it. Uh, originally, he was thought to be Liv Tyler's father for like the first seven years of her life um, because uh, her mother was with Todd Rundgren at the time. They had separated, and that's when she was with Steven Tyler, who got her pregnant. Right. Then she got back with Todd Rundgren, had the baby, and Liv Tyler like has come on to say like, she still thinks of Todd Rundgren as a father to her. Huh. He's st- like They still like talk. They still like, whenever they're together, it's like she's, you know, his daughter. Wow. So, like, yeah, I don't you, know that if was a big one knows about that other than your deep dive. Like, if you weren't alive in the 1970s. Right. But I think that was I think that, that's a little like, bit of it. Like, obviously, you know, I know that, like, our fans are a little older. Sure. And I know that, like, people who are fans of Todd Rundgren are a little older. Sure. For the most part, I I, nobody's going to have jumped like, on the White Knight bandwagon. That, would, be, no, God, that no. would be a weird alternate universe, though, where the movie Armageddon comes out and 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 he's the one who sings, I don't want to miss it. <laughs> exactly. Right. But Look, I don't know I'm if not I'm saying, to give an X Factor point for that. If I'm being yeah, I, 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 Listen, I'm, I'm not I'm trying to give of, a whole point. I'm, I'm arguing for a point five because uh, that is literally... I, I would give him maybe a, maybe a point, but that is something I could that, give you a point two. I'm okay with the point yeah. two. I think okay. that more people have heard of that than not. I think we are okay. young, and we have always heartache known Liv Tyler as. 
I've known that we have always known Liv Tyler as Liv Tyler. Uh, I think for the three of us, I would argue that our, maybe not you, Nick, because you don't Mm -hmm. watch movies, but uh, my introduction to Liv Tyler was in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh, And then I found out she was Steven Tyler's Tyler's daughter daughter after that. Yeah, I didn't even know her name was Liv Tyler. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, well, sorry. I Uh, just... I, I didn't know her character's name from Lord of the Rings, but I just I just knew her as the elf from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to the our second act. The Cranberries. Yeah. One yeah. of my favorite bands from the 90s, I'll be honest. I love the Cranberries. That's fair. I've been a big Cranberries fan coming into this one. So Okay. So, the Cranberries are an Irish rock band. Uh, they were active from 1989 to 2003, and then again from 2009 to 2019. So, two pretty long stints. Yeah, and their first album didn't come out until 1993. Yes. And it was, I mean, it didn't end up being their most commercially successful, but only because it was so well-loved and so well-received that their second album ended up getting higher sales. Correct. Because everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? It's definitely a legendary alternative rock 90s album. But does not have their most famous song on it. It has their two, two other, other incredibly famous songs. Uh, yeah. So here are my notes. Uh, I'll go first, and then Please. I would like Tyler to go second because Absolutely. they're your yeah, favorite, one of your favorite one, bands. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, my notes for this were Dreams, obviously one of their most famous. It's a really well done debut. It's actually my favorite. Um, yeah, it's a really well done song. Uh, it's the first song. On, it's the second song on the album, and it's the first song where I went, "Oh, cool!" Because I didn't love. I still do. So it was the first song where I was like, oh, cool. I, I know this song. I enjoy this song. Uh, Linger, I would argue, maybe slightly more famous than Dreams. Fair enough. But not a better song than Dreams. I think they're equally good. Great song. Not a better song than Dreams yeah. for me. I really liked, I think my favorite song on the album was I Will Always. Uh, maybe because I'd heard so much of Dreams and Linger before mm-hmm. that, but I thought that it was really understated. Interesting. It was like, compared to the other songs... Like, really understated, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I really enjoyed the album overall. I really like I really like uh, her voice. She's I one really of my favorites like, of all time. Yeah, yeah I, I have to give points just for that. I yeah. am definitely more... It, it's, it's weird, because, like, the Beatles are probably one of my favorite bands, but overall, when it comes to, like, especially alternative rock, I almost prefer... A female lead mm. singer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think Dolores Dolores Overyarden is about as good of a female lead singer that you're going to get in rock music. What Rest I what I yes. really liked about about this album and Pat, I'm not sure. Get, uh, the one that I listened through was the one with uh, extra tracks. I don't know if that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if yours had the the bonus tracks or mm-hmm. everything, but I I, I got to say. What I love so much about this album was it sort of encapsulates all the things that I think about when I think of early '90s alternative, with without yeah. without trying too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it it totally. has they have such good sound, and I never feel like they're 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 being quote unquote edgy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know there there are a lot of of bands that were coming out in the alternative scene in the '90s that I feel like you know just wore black and and tried to rebel just mm-hmm. to make people think that they were cool, and the Cranberries were just cool. 
like it, it wasn't artificial with them they were just themselves and that and that really kind of like shines through with their music uh, you know listening to yeah. each track mm. on this album i didn't feel like any of these songs were were like a call and response to another song that another group came out with yeah. Yeah. i didn't feel like they were trying to to prove anything you know they had a message they had a story they wanted to tell and they and they told it and mm. i i also got this vibe i mean this is kind of like after listening to all three of the albums but i'll still bring it up now i got this vibe from listening to them that they would have put out these albums whether they were popular or not. Yeah, definitely. I didn't. I, I didn't get, get. I didn't get a feeling from them like they were cranking out music to stay relevant. I felt like they were going to put out an album when they were ready to put out an album. Yeah. it didn't feel like they were trying to to climb some kind of fame or popularity. Yeah. So Nick, Great. okay. So I'm going to be brief because you guys have hit on a lot of. Yeah, I would like you like to be brief about this one and then go right into Absolutely. No Need to Argue. So, um. I mean, I love all the songs on this album. Dreams and Linger, obviously, like the two most famous ones. I like Waltzing Back a lot. I like Wanted a lot. Uh, Not Sorry. Here's what makes this album and the other albums by the Cranberries really special to me. There's three things. One, the tone of the guitar. The guitar tone, even though there's never any kind of like fancy soloing type stuff going on, the guitar tone is perfectly done. And very distinctive. And very distinctive. Their use of strings is always tasteful and well done. And Dolores Arriarden's voice is just hauntingly beautiful is the words that I that I use. I mean like it's like it's a voice that will like cut you to your soul and you like it Dolores Arriarden could sing like happy birthday and you would go cry because that's just how like haunting the tone of her voice is. Nick, that's just because I desperately am trying to cling to my youth. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's true. Well, yeah, and true. but like but like to your point though, I don't feel like she's breaking her voice to get that sound. It no, just feels just so sounds genuine. Like, yeah, it's just her. Coming yes. out of it. Like it doesn't so feel genuine. overly rehearsed. It doesn't nope. feel overly prepared and worked. I agree. It just is a great sounding singing voice. Agreed. And she does herself in harmony really yes. well. So she'll sing two different parts and put herself in harmony on these tracks and it sounds great. Crazy to watch that live. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'll just go right into the second yes, album. Please no do. need to argue. The one that we're all going to know from this is Zombie, which was their biggest hit that Pat was alluding yes. to earlier. Um, obviously, a fantastic song. Another one of those all-time great songs. All Three of them are. Ode to My Family yeah. was a minor hit for them as well, which I think was uh, really great. The oh, one okay. that I just thought was such an amazing there are two vocal performances on here that I didn't mention that I just want to bring up because they uh-huh. were so good. Um, the Icicle Melts. Okay. Which is a, and Daffodil Lament. Okay. Those two, like, if you're only going to listen to a few songs from this album by the Cranberries, just go listen to Dolores sing on those. Absolutely fantastic. It's I... not quite the first album, but it's very yeah. good still. So for me, uh, I disagree with you on Ode to My Family. I thought it was weird. But it's a, it was like one of their I understand bigger you, songs. I, I do get there was a, a one of their bigger songs, but it felt weird to me. Fair enough. Uh, it just I didn't love it personally. I did love a lot of the songs in the album. Uh, I didn't love that. I didn't love it as an opening track. Uh, I have Zombie. Obviously, it's their most popular song by far. I mean, Linger and Dreams are also very yes. popular, but Zombie, everybody has heard True. that. True. The other two are more an encapsulation of the 90s for me than Dream yeah. and Zombie is. But still, it's obviously right. their biggest song. Well, since, since, since we're talking about zombies, 
I just I need to get this point out there. I've praised this group a lot, but anyone who is interested in this album, if they somehow manage to get the box set bonus tracks, avoid the hump mix version of Zombie. Oh no. Fair enough. It is <laughs> it has no business. I don't love yeah, that you know that thing. exists. But I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I almost forgot. If you do have the extended version of this, definitely listen to their cover of The Carpenters, They Long to Be Close to You because that is beautifully yes, done. agreed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like when it comes to mixing an album, you, you want to draw your audience in yeah. and then your final track needs to be some kind of high note. Yeah, and, and that is mix is not that is not how this happened, and that's not yeah. the way they originally put the album <laughs> well, together yeah, either. I, obviously, I don't so I don't know who to to point the fa- I I think whoever <laughs> created this hump mix should yeah. is, is the most guilty party ever, and then the second villain is the person that convinced the cranberries to put it on the album. Fair enough. So. Okay, so uh, the rest of my stuff for this one, um, I had no need to argue the title track. It's a good breakup song. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's you know it's a little understated. It doesn't it, it doesn't have that like edge that breakup songs have. Mm-hmm. It was more just like sad ending of relationship, which I thought was honestly a little refreshing because I felt like a lot of the songs in the '90s. When you think of '90s breakup, you think of like Alanis, sure, and it's all got that like or don't speak or don't speak, which all has that like edge to it. So I liked that their version of a breakup song didn't. Yeah, uh, the one song on this album that I was like, oh, it's not a bad song, but why? Was uh, Yates' grave? Yeah, okay. I just listened to the song and I'm like, I I don't hate the song. I like it, but like, why are you why are you singing this? Why does this happen? Uh, that was it. Uh, Tyler, do you want to start off with uh, in the end their last album that we have, and then uh, let's kind of go through the scores a little quickly. Yeah. I think we're all on a similar page on them. I agree. Yeah. Um, as far as in the end goes, I I there wasn't anything too noteworthy for me from it i mean Agreed. that's that's not mm-hmm. to come off as a as a negative thing i you know something has to be said about you know being able to come back almost 26 years later or whatever whenever they're that that's like a 26 year difference between 93 and 2019 mm-hmm. right yeah and be able to come up with an album that doesn't feel like you're just kind of either doing the same old thing or right. or you're just completely different mm-hmm. um it, and i will say that uh this album was i don't think uh dolores had fully finished her vocals on this before she passed right all well, the lyrics she di- she all died of the, in 2018 she died in 2018 this is released posthumously for her correct uh and i don't know if she was a hundred percent done on it uh, so that's I'm glad that you put that together because that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, for this album. So this was released uh, in April 2019, and the rest of the band members pieced together her uh, in-studio demos of vocal piece yes. tracks for these songs and then put them on to the album. So they just kind of took what they could find in, term of de- in terms of demos that she had already recorded and put them onto the tracks that they had. Because when I first listened to this, I was like, oh, wow, 2019. This is going to be weird to hear the Cranberries without Dolores, because I had not heard this album before. And then I listened, and I was like, wow, they got a dead ringer for her. 
And then I was <laughs> like, oh, say that. It, uh, sorry. And then I was like, wow, oh, it is her. And uh, yeah. that was like pretty so shocking to me that it so was the original lead singer. Well, so that's interesting because I, I didn't do a deep dive into like their history. I just listened to them as mm-hmm. a band. So I had absolutely no idea about the lead singer passing away. That sort of makes this album make a little bit more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to give the album a pass because there's definitely things yeah. I had trouble with on it. I but mean, I I, didn't, I get it. I yeah. I enjoyed this album, but it I, did, yeah. but it did noticeably sort of come across as like you know, like I said before, it it didn't feel like it was the same thing that they were putting out from before, but it didn't mm. feel like they were that far away from what they were as a band. Agreed. I agree. But it, it was like that polish wasn't exactly there, but it wasn't really mm-hmm. enough to make me go, oh, well, this isn't even the Cranberries. Yeah, this For is sure. definitely not their best album. No, I thought it was solid. I didn't think there were bad songs on it, no. but it's not the first two that we listened to either, obviously. Yeah. Um, I like the title track in the end a lot. So, and here's here's where my, here's where we're going to disagree, but also agree. My first time listening to it, just listening to the music, mm-hmm. I thought it was super boring. It felt mm-hmm. really boring to me to listen to that tra- that track. I was just like, ugh. Like, it just felt like a slog fest through it. And then doing my research, writing my notes, going back and listening to it again, and I was like, it's, re- again, in a similar vein to our last episode with Alice in Chains. Yes, I was hearing Hearing Dolores sing about, like, the end and, like, all the lyrics in that song after she's dead. Yeah. And like listening to it and knowing that I like this is the last song of yeah. her. Right. Like even if the Cranberries, I mean they're broken up now because I don't think they want to release music without yeah, her. I agree. But even if they get back together in the future and do that, mm-hmm. you won't have her. And yeah. like so emotionally like I felt it the second time through. Yeah. Whereas it, musically I still don't like it. Fair enough. But emotionally I'm on board. Fair enough. Okay, I think that's that's. Let's start giving scores because we're a little behind. Cultural impact uh, of alternative rock from the '90s. I do think the Cranberries stick out, but I don't think that they're like overly famous. Everybody will know Zombie. A lot. Everyone's going to know know Dreams and Linger. Those songs get radio play still all the time. Yeah, I mean, I would put the Cranberries above average. I would put them above average as well, but not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, in the five range. I agree with you. Yeah, Um, I'd probably. Jump on to that too. Okay. Yeah. What about like a five and a half? I'm okay with a five. And I'm a half. okay with that too. Uh, breadth of work. So this is where I mean they don't have a lot. I think Tyler, you said something about this that made a lot of sense. They didn't put out albums because they felt like they needed to. They wrote the music as it made sense to them, as well, they loved it, and then when they felt like they had a good product, then they yeah. were ready to come out with their next album. Well, and I didn't exactly know how to how to bring this up, but something that I liked about how they put their albums together, and it's really nothing different than how any mm-hmm. other bands put their albums together, but the, the name of their albums I thought was so interesting because they yeah. would put the the years and they would call it the complete season, and they said, you know, 1998, 1991 it kind of like for me reading that i don't know if i just like put something it on made that you put that emotions really, behind it, it, it made me it. feel like wow so this is like you're all about that immersion yeah this is like, like a year journey and that yeah. sort of kind of gave this idea in my mind that i'm not just experiencing a quick flash in the pan i'm mm-hmm. experiencing some kind of like you know narrative that spans over a year and it really kind of yeah. made that stick out yeah. to me i mean for me breath of work at the end of the day it's eight studio albums which is better than average 
Yeah. And I would say that their songs, on average, are better than average. Yeah. I mean, I'm still in the five range. A but little I'm bit above higher it. five. Yeah, yeah maybe like a five seven, five eight. I can do a five eight. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd probably go there. They they mm-hmm. stick out more to me than a lot of other alternative bands from from the nineties. Yeah, you're they're yeah. unique. You know, I didn't know who they were when we went into it, mm. but coming out of it, I didn't feel like I was hitting a generic nineties. Yeah, thing here personally for me is where I think they suffer. Instrumental talent. Yeah, I think overall, I'm not just talking Dolores. Okay. Overall, I felt like plain, very plain. Okay, Nothing so where they you, do where is you like, got plain, I found like, I thought like, for instance, if the guitars were any different, then they wouldn't have, the songs wouldn't have been as don't good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But that's not instrumental talent. Again, they're not virtuosos. Right. Yeah. They, I, they played the I parts that, that they, they, they played the exact parts that needed to be played totally, to make the right songs. Totally. Yeah. I, I get but what Pat's saying. There's nothing in them that's, whoa. Yeah. But yeah. except for Dolores' voice to me is Which excellent. adds points. Yeah. Yes. What are I, you saying, Tyler? I get what Pat's saying. I kind of agree with you both. Yeah. I don't think listening to their album, like on a musical level, I did not hear anything that made me go, whoa, I didn't even know a guitar could do that. Mm. But I, right. but you know, I also didn't feel like, oh, my God, they don't even know what notes to hit at the right time. Yeah, like, I mean, I would be putting them myself Okay, if you subtract Dolores under a five. Really? I just okay. think I think they, they did nothing flashy. Sure. Uh, I mean, even Zombie, which is arguably one of their harder tracks mm-hmm. to play, you know how easy that song is to play. Sure. I mean, it's not a difficult song, and it doesn't sound difficult. Right. So I just don't think they're flashy. But no, I would not. give points for Dolores' voice. Uh, yeah, definitely points for her I voice. Would give... to me, her voice is one of the best rock voices that we've had. It's yes. just so different and interesting. I mean, I would I would honestly be like, I would go from a 4-5 almost all the way up to a 6. I would say 6 for sure. So let's see what Tyler says to tie break. I don't. I don't put him right on the spot. Yeah. I know. I don't want to be biased because I really like her singing voice. Right. Well, yeah. No. But is, I mean, we're giving points I for mean, the voice. I, yeah. I, I know. And and that's you know because 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 it, it is kind of like this weird yin and yang. I don't feel like musically they did anything too impressive. But then I think about her singing voice, and I'm like, oh well, I don't know. I. I, I'm gonna have to lean towards Nick on this one. All right, six it is. Okay, yeah. six it is. I'm okay. So with that. songwriting is another one where I think that they're very good at the writing. Yeah, their songs very come together. The way that they incorporated strings with the rest of the band, I think, can't be overstated how well they did that. Right, but just remember, um, we're holding them up to. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, other that's stuff which I love a lot. Um, and the other thing I mentioned before was the way that Dolores wrote her parts in harmony Agreed. with herself. Agreed. Done so well. So, done so well. Nick, I'm not even going to say anything before I hear your number. Okay, so for me, I look at uh, you know some of the other people around, and I, they're not like obviously the best at this, but I think if Oasis is a six, they're at least like in that in that realm to me. They're at least a six. Okay, I could be persuaded to six because I was still thinking in between the five to five five range, but. You could talk me up to in between five, five, and six. Okay, Tyler. You're yeah, good with I that? mean, this is a weird category. Again, I don't know enough about. All right, I'll go in between. That, I'll give so you a five. I, eight. I gotta, I'm okay with a five, eight. Personally. Poetic talent is something that I also think that they're. This one's higher with. for me. Yeah, because Dolores. I mean, I love, another person who was just in pain con- all correct. the time. Yeah, and I, I love the poetic talent. So have. well yes. about it. This is um, the one for me that I think they should score highest. I'd go over a six. I agree. Not a seven. 
I'm okay with going like a six seven. I'm okay with a they're, six seven. They're yeah. higher on this for sure, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and then X Factor, I don't necessarily think. The no, they don't an get an X Factor yeah. for me. No, I agree. I think they did well, um, regardless of the X Factor. Yeah. And we can move right along to Maroon Five. Cool. I'm okay with All that. Right. Blurb so, us up. Maroon Five. So they're an American pop runk pop. <laughs> Pop runk. Pop rock, sorry. I was also reading that they're called a funk pop band, which I disagree with. Uh, I don't disagree with that for their early stuff. Maybe. I Okay, I understand. Um, so, yeah, they were active all the way from 1994. Yep. Surprisingly, they used to be called Carrots, Carrots Flowers. Flowers. Um, obviously, they became famous as Maroon 5. Um, that's basically it. I mean, obviously, if you know Maroon 5, you know Adam Levine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sort of made a name for himself outside of Maroon 5. For sure. So, I mean, going through, they have six studio albums. We listened to half of their work then. Right. Uh, and six has so far been like the golden number of like, yeah. okay, that's a, a little bit above average. Right. Um, we listened to three. We listened to Songs About Jane. Now, Songs About Jane is also their most popular. It's their first one Correct. released in 2002. So because of that, we listened to their second most popular, which is also their second album. It won't be soon before long. Mm-hmm. And then we wrapped it up with Red Pill Blues. Yeah. Now, I have things to say, but I will let Tyler go first this time. Tyler, you haven't gone first a lot. So. Yeah, I agree. Songs about Jane. What are your thoughts? It, so, good, not great. I am... I I could not figure out where they fit. Genre wise, fair enough. I understand. And Neither could Wikipedia. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I really and that really kind of affected the way I listened to this album, right? Because as soon as they got me with something that was more rock, track two was like a funky pop song, and it 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 didn't feel like it's stuck in a genre the whole run it felt more like just a mixed playlist okay hmm. um and while there were a f- i think of all their songs on this album it was the their softer songs that i enjoyed more yeah i i, I think if i had one takeaway to to give from, from this album was, is just they they just seem aggressive and almost angry in their lead vocals. I I got a whole lot of like I Adam Levine. Well, they didn't like Jane. Adam yeah. Levine is a good singer, but but then again, he he can sing really high. Yeah, and a lot of people like that. But in these songs, I I just kind of felt like I was being yelled at. I get it. I mean, and I. I've listened to heavy metal and yeah. they yell in heavy metal sure. and I've enjoyed it and di- and it didn't feel off putting. Like these songs were songs that could have easily been sung in a much more appealing vocal style. Fair enough. And I just yeah. kind of felt like I had angered Adam and I he can't was wait to, to see what you me. say about the rest of them. Yeah, I, I'm so like this is by so far so, my favorite Maroon It's so album. interesting that you're saying, yeah, I agree with that. So for me, <laughs> as, of all the shows that we've done, with the exception of the White Album and maybe Dirt, 
this is my favorite album that we've listened to. I loved every track from start to finish. Sunday Morning is definitely an underrated gem. One of the best. Yeah. Must Get Out is another great song. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are three huge hits were Harder to Breathe, Harder to Breathe She Will Be Loved, This Love. Yeah. I mean, All three of those are great songs. I liked, I mean, I just thought this album was a masterpiece. You could see the influence of the police. That's yeah. what it really is. Like, there's a police, like, almost reggae influence that reminds me and i'm a huge fan of 90s no doubt this album is almost like a continuation of the musical style that no doubt was cultivating Mm -hmm. in tragic kingdom like ironically because when stefani adam levy were both on the voice yeah go figure but uh, (laughs) i i felt like a lot of it was the continuation of the very best of 90s like jazzier pop punk rock stuff like no doubt and it was like clearly influenced by the reggae of the police, and I loved yeah. everything about it. So, I mean, my notes were very similar uh, to yours, Nick. I think it's their best album. Uh, it, it's so weird because, like, I knew it, but just hearing "Harder to Breathe," "This Love," "She Will Be Loved," "Sunday Morning," like all, I'm like, how is this all in the first album? Yeah, because like th- when I think of Maroon Five, those are the songs I think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I will say just to you know, for the sake of being contrarian a little bit. Uh, I did not love Sweetest Goodbye. I thought it was just meh. I really just thought it was like a just okay song, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe comparatively, maybe if that sure. was on a later album, I'd have thought it was better. Yeah. Uh, let's. I'll I'll start us off with the next album, which is it won't be soon before long. Uh, I liked it. <laughs> uh, I liked it. I thought it was you know a good album. Definitely not as good, but I I did enjoy it. I thought it was. I thought it was good. Uh, definitely w- another thing like Won't Go Home Without You makes me wonder. Yeah. You know, uh, Wake Up Call. These are all songs that are popular on the radio. Even Absolutely. Still. Um, a little more misses for me personally. Sure. But I did enjoy them. I, I enjoyed the whole album. I thought it's so interesting because if you listen to the first two Maroon 5 albums, you're like, I can't wait. Yeah. And then yeah. they release the rest of their albums. I know. I know. Uh, I will say one that you missed that I think is actually one of the best songs in their catalog is Back at Your Door. Uh, I would agree. I, think I, can, a, I can get behind I that. I think that's a really good one. Uh, I unexpectedly, I mean, not quite as much as some of the other ones that you mentioned, I unexpectedly really enjoyed the song Kiwi because it was super yeah. funky. Just because it was so Maybe funky. Maybe that's why they're a, yeah. a, a funk band. Yeah, uh, I, I like that a lot. I mean, I think you've said it all. I don't need to rehash that this is a good album, not as good as their first. A yeah. lot of good songs, radio hits and cuts, like all good, solid, all the way through. All right, like Tyler, that. now deep dive into the musical intricacies of this album. <laughs> well, starting off, I would have to say <laughs> that musically, no. Um, <laughs> so, everyone's going to hate me for this. Well, I'm, I'm going to say it. Adam Levine... I've I've mumbled that. I'm sorry. Reminds me it, a lot of the the Bee Gees in the way he sings. Oh, I get I it. Feel interesting, like, interesting. Okay. I, I feel it. like he's he's just in the falsetto because he can do it, not because yeah. the song requires or needs it. Mm. And it it's almost like hmm. I wonder what would happen if I you would tried argue to to bring him down yeah. to a baritone. So my argument for you is. It's the tone of his voice, not the notes he's singing. He just it's, sounds yeah, higher Amber. than he is. Yeah. Because um, when I listened to this album, I was singing along with the songs I knew, and I I realized like, oh, this is nowhere near as high as I thought. Yeah, mm. I can't like, even sing some of them. I won't go home. It's not that high. Yeah. 
he just has that super high pitched voice. Yep. It's He's just, got a high yeah, timbre. It's it's high pitched and it also is just the that's the tiniest bit nasally. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I definitely remember these songs. Yeah. And I don't I I don't completely hate them, but mm-hmm. this is nothing that I would seek out to listen to. I I understand. Uh let's let's jump right into Okay, so can right I into say Red something Pill Red Pill Blues. Blues is the most recent one. I think by far the biggest difference you're going to see on the yeah. first two albums to this one is so on all the first albums, Adam Levine wrote the songs or he co-wrote them with one or two bandmates. Every single song on this most recent album is written by like five or six different people. Co- it's Adam Levine and Julian Panetta and John Ryan and Jacob Kasher and Alexander Esquerdo and Charlie Andrew Poots Haas and Ian Franzino. So it took like 30 people to try to figure out how to write the most effective yeah. pop song that will appeal to the most people and be popular on the radio yeah, without and, thinking about how to write a good song at all. No, and it's totally sold out. I yeah. mean, I'm sorry. Like, I know that makes me sound like super underground, like it's sold out. No, I'm like, fine. That's their decision. It's, they can do whatever they, they want. Can, we and just don't like it. <laughs> literally, like, uh, I was talking to Nick about this right before we started recording, uh, and Tyler, and I was saying, like, it's so obvious because lyrically it's not super different. Like, Adam Levine is still the first credit on the list, and sure. I think it's because he wrote the lyrics. Could be. For a lot of or them. Or some of them, at least. And you can tell that it's like, oh, I took a Maroon 5 song and then replaced all the instruments with computer noises. Yep. With, like, you know, that that techie, futuristic music sound that's happening right. nowadays in the studio. And terrible rap verses in the middle of a pop song that's yeah. being sung for no reason at all. Yeah, I mean, so I only made a few notes yeah, on specific I'm, songs. I'm not, like, I'm not aversely against rap. Yeah. No, but, but I can't stand this... when, when one z- genre of music yeah. gets invaded by a rap verse for but, no reason. But only because as they long think as it might yeah. sell more records that yeah, way, that's, but that's it. Ugh. Uh, so my my few notes that I had on these were I have what lovers do, I just had ew, <laughs> yeah. um, wait, I said that was the one where it really felt just way too computer generated. Yeah, like it literally just felt like you plugged in fifty pop songs and it spat that out. Although I will say, uh, the last track before like the bonus deluxe edition tracks is called Closure, Closure. and it's an eleven and a half minute song. And most of it is actually just instruments and funking yes. out for nine minutes. And I, I love that. That was the best yeah. part of the album was it, just listening it, to that. I agree. And it's just it, it pissed me off even more because it's like, oh, so you guys can still do it. Oh, you sure. just yeah. don't. Exactly. If, um, if I also Closure really, was on one of the first two albums, it would have been great. Yeah. yeah and like, for me, it, the only other note I had was Cold. I, I just I said I don't like this reinvention. I, I, mm. I, I That's the last note I took. Yeah. Once like, I got to that point, there was nothing after Cold where I went, oh. Like, like if you told yeah. me if you told me that Maroon Five like came up with a computer program that's just like an AI that goes through every pop song ever made and spits out a pop song, yeah. I yeah. would be like, yeah, no, that's how this album yep. feels. You're right because everything is just all right. What has been trendy recently, and we'll throw that on there. I mean, yep. I I'm not gonna harp on it too much but i cardi b especially is oh not i mean oh, she's God. she's just sounds 
and an irritating voice, and I don't understand how she's become popular in the I hope music I didn't industry. Just cut that. I, yeah. I think I'm gonna just clip the mic by being Cardi B. So well. Oh god. Like it. It. I mean, <laughs> I'll do it from further back. Oh. And, and like you, you listen to this song, "Girls Like You." And yeah. As soon I try as. Not to. As soon as you hear her voice, it's just like, and then, and just noise. And well, to be it, it fair, that is nothing. a style that I felt was really popularized by Nicki, Nicki Minaj. Someone else who I can't stand. Honestly, like, like that style, like, Cardi- whenever I hear Cardi B, she sounds different than Nicki Minaj, but I can hear the, the but like, inspiration. But like that, that whole Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, and who's that Australian? Who's that Australian? I don't even know. Artist I, I try to avoid fans. Iggy Azalea. Yeah, Iggy Azalea. The the three of them all just kind of just form together into just one. I can't wait till we do all three of them in one oh, episode. No chance. Uh, let's I start the scoring. Yeah, let's give the score. <laughs> I think they're the they're the highest in this episode for cultural impact because they've just yeah. they're just culturally relevant. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I think mostly Adam Levine, but and I would, yeah, that's what it is. It's been mostly Adam Levine. I mean, and, I still don't think and they barely over... put out albums. Honestly, yeah. like they barely put out albums as the band Maroon Five. I would legitimately say like I would stretch them to like a six one. Real okay. I, would I wouldn't put that them that high. More, I don't think they're that. I can see what you mean. Like Adam Levine as a separate entity is maybe more culturally relevant than the band. Yeah, I would I, agree. I, with that. I, okay. I think I think he holds more than they do. Because like, can you very objectively true. listen to a song and go, "Oh, this has a very Maroon Five sound"? Like every Nick one probably can. Well, yeah. Like uh, I'm I'm more with you, Tyler. I get where you're coming from. I'm just like Nick is a freak. Yeah, I am. <laughs> In right, a great well, way. I love yeah. that about you. I mean, let's just go. With what I was just saying about their albums, they barely put any out. They've put out six in the last yeah. 18 years, and, like, very sporadically. I mean, their breadth of work. The first two were, like, where all of the good songs were, basically. Yeah, I would honestly... I think they've lost points and I think since they, the first two. But the first two albums, I think, are so filled with good songs that it is yeah. worth something. And six albums is pretty... We're going to say that's a right around pretty average. Yeah, So I that puts say. them at a five, and I... Maybe if they sit at a five because the terribleness of the songs in the yeah, later I mean, I, w- I think maybe like a f- the- I think yeah, because I also think like it feels average to me, like just knowing music, mm-hmm. it feels average to me that like oh I love a band's early work and then they really fell off the ledge later. Sure, yeah, that's that what just says. feels so average to me. That's that's true. Like I feel like your breadth of work, you gain points for consistency, not Fair just enough. for being great. So do we want to leave them right in the middle then? Yeah, I think right at a, a five. five is fine. Okay, instrumental talent again, like cool funky guitarists, but nothing really special. Yeah, Adam Levine can sing. I don't know if he can sing live. Is he one of those people who can't sing? He's live? He's all right live. Okay. Um, I mean, I remember hearing him live on a few things, like and just being like, oh, right. Okay. I remember specifically my first. I don't want to say because we're over already over time, but uh, I listened to him on American Idol. When he gotcha. he like first hit the scene, it was like two thousand three. Yeah. So they had just released songs about Jane a year before that. Yeah. And I was like, "Who even is this?" I didn't know who it was, and he sounded terrible. Interesting. And I hated it. Okay. And then like on the radio, I heard him and never put it together for like a couple years. Interesting. Well, so, where where do you put them for for instrumental instrumental talent? I mean, <sighs> I don't. It's hard for me to say. Their first album, I could say, "Oh, this band knows how to play their instruments." For sure. But then, after but not that, in a special way. I don't know. Yeah, but then after yeah. that, it's just all electronic. Agreed. You know, Agreed. I mean, when that, I'm comparing them away. to other people on this list, here's like, my even thought. Todd Rundgren and the Cranberries. Like, like they're they have excellent they... on at least part of the resume. Mm-hmm. For Todd Rundgren, it's the the breadth of instruments he plays yeah, really well. Right. For the Cranberries, it's Dolores's voice. Yeah. 
I don't think Adam Levine gets that same. No, he's not vocal the same as the Lars. No, I'm gonna say. I would literally maybe me. five, anyway. five. I think five is fine. I think they're I average. Think, I think if you plug them into any other band, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's a band. Their name and then songwriting. Okay, clearly Adam was writing all the songs. They wrote good songs early, and then he enlisted thirty other people to help him write yeah. the perfect pop song for the last I, couple albums. Well, I think that bad. really gives them points. Bad. I think I think this is like almost the reverse of In Sync from our previous episodes, mm. where it's like when they wrote the songs, it tanked oh yeah that's a good but one. when he writes sure. the songs they are better yeah so i would i would put them i mean probably, they have to be hurt for all these bad songs on all the albums i would agree out. but i would say if you're just looking at songs about jane and uh soon to be whatever i forget the name of uh, it won't be soon before long <laughs> but those are both long. very good i would put i would put them in, like in the sevens sure and i think that the but rest of the songs would put them, them down, down to like maybe like a six or a five eight. I'm okay with. We'll go right in the middle of that with five nine for me. I think that's fine. Okay, because yeah. I do love the early stuff, but it just gets so bad. Poetic talent again, like I, I this is another. They weren't yeah, particularly I, special to start with. I can't give them no. anything for poetic talent because they just seem to be singing about the same thing that everybody else in the genre, in, in yeah, the pop genre, sure. is singing about, and they're not adding anything. If, if anything, they're doing a worse job than anybody else because they're making these like almost just like grossly understated statements about relationships yeah. that mean nothing. It felt generic yeah. in lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, it, they felt generic, but not actively bad no. at first. Which is but like, then, eh. then then it got actively bad. Yeah, as it so went which on. is why but, I, yeah. my score for them was a four four. Okay, I'm, and I'm on I board. was I was worried I'd have to argue on that one more. No, so I'm, I'm glad I'm I don't. I'm on board with you. Is Adam Levine an X Factor? No. No. No, then no. He's not. For I mean, if it was 2002, I'd say yes, but I don't think anybody... Okay. He's not, I think everybody yeah, knows who Adam Levine yeah. is, but I don't think they associate him with Maroon 5 as much yeah. anymore. Okay. Well, that so just no. like gives us final scores because we can wrap this thing up. Yeah, so, let's do some final uh, scores. This, is, this was a, our tightest uh, I would agree. episode. Yeah, this was really cool. Tightest and mostly mediocrity, unfortunately. Yeah, but not... I would not call these artists mediocre. mediocre no, just score-wise. Yes. But uh, Todd Rundgren was the loser of the episode with a 24.9, a very respectable losing score. Yes. Uh, right there at the end, Maroon 5 pulled into the middle place here in second with a 26.4. And then the winner of the episode is the Cranberries with a 29.8. Yeah. Very well done yeah. to uh, to all the bands awesome. involved. Yes. Uh, it was interesting to listen to out of uh, a few of our comfort zones. Yeah. Uh, which I think I really enjoy. Um, I agree. If it was all just bands I knew by heart and loved every song of, this would be boring. Right. That's so why I try to, you know, it'd be boring for me and boring for you, the listener. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, I'm gonna let Tyler sign us off this time. Excellent. And that's the end of our show. Should Boom. I tell everybody what's coming next I don't, week? By yeah, the no, that was great. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was right. great. I loved it. I will uh, get it, let everyone get excited because, of course. Next week, one of the three bands we'll be looking at is the uh, Woodstock legend, Country Joe and the Fish. <laughs> there we go. Come on, you're wow. gonna you're gonna yeah, make, that's the one I gave him. You're gonna that's make me him. try to do a sign off. You're low no. totem. I'm the other guy. That is perfectly okay. Uh, yeah. So I love how you picked Country Joe and I the had Fish to pick them. out of the other <laughs> know, two that I are know, on there. So interesting choice. But yeah, uh, exactly. stay tuned for that uh, next next time. And uh, other than that, have a great day.